Verbally Effective, episode 37, your double E, Ina Esco, hanging out with you. And thank you so much for tuning in today. I have a really great guest. His name is Kelvin Woods with the T-Shirt Lab. Hey, Kelvin. Hey, hey. How you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Okay, so I hear that you're from the Mound. Yeah, Orange Mound. Where, where exactly in Orange Mound are you from? So my family grew up off Beverly. Um so that's the kind of side that we're from. I went to Cherokee, Sherwood. I uh, was supposed to go to Melrose, but ended up going to Overton for the performance art side. But, okay. yep, I'm from Orange Mall. So you went to Overton. Did you want to go to Overton for the specifically performing arts piece of it? Yeah, that's the only way I got in. Uh, okay. Overton has a program called CALPA, Creative and Performance Arts. And uh, some of the school, of course, is because of the district. So they go to the school, but then they leave some of the slots open for kids in the Kappa program. Mm -hmm. So I auditioned as an eighth grader coming out of Sherwood and got accepted into the art program. So that's why I went to Overton. Okay, so you've been gifted with art just ever since a young boy? Yeah, uh, art is my passion. I've always wanted to paint, wanted to draw. So it's kind of how I got into the career field that I'm in now. Okay, so can you pretty much like look at anything and draw it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, while I was at Overton, uh, I really perfected my portrait skills. Oh. And that's really, that was my side hustle while I was going through school. I used to do a lot of portraits and things like that uh, for commission. So yeah, I'm a pretty good artist. The real deal. Mm -hmm. We got the real deal over here. Okay. So you were going to Overton, the School of Performing Arts, and you graduated and then you went to UT Chat? Yep, went to Chat 2005. So went to Chat for graphic design, uh, learned a lot. Six hours away from home, mm -hmm. you know, really had to grow up real fast. Mm -hmm. uh, and ended up staying away for eight years uh, before I came back home. So, yep, Chattanooga. Okay, so they have a pretty good graphic design program there? Uh, it was a pretty good graphic design program. Uh, There's some schools here in Tennessee that, you know, of course, have better programs. Uh, but it worked out for me. It allowed me really to, to grow up as an individual. Okay. So while you were a student at UT Chat, do you get involved in any other activities besides graphic design? You know, my college career was uh was was really short. I stayed on campus my first year and uh I got bit by the entrepreneur bug. Actually I got a real good friend of mine that went to Overton with me. Uh, named Carl Hess. He actually went to uh, UT Knox. Mm -hmm. And uh, our first year in college, we launched a magazine company. It was called that Boss. Wasn't yeah, so it was called Boss College Magazine. What? Uh, unfortunately, it didn't get off the ground. What? But uh, we had spent all our refund money on uh, equipment. Okay. You would have walked into our dorm room uh, our freshman year with like a Kinko's. Oh, my God. So we, uh, we enjoyed it. Uh, we sold a ton of ads, and we were supposed to release 500 magazines on the first release. And okay. uh, the machine crapped out. Right. So, <laughs> what? Yep. So we had to return everybody's money, but you know, I got bit by the entrepreneur bug, and ever since mm -hmm. then, you know, college was just uh, all right. I got to get this done so that I can move on to the next phase of life. But after doing that, I was really bitten by the entrepreneur bug, and just always wanted to own my own business. Wow. So okay, let's get back to this magazine, boss. Mm -hmm. What was like the premise of this magazine? So it was really right around the time Facebook kicked off or started getting popular. Uh, so we was taking a lot of those concepts, focusing on arts, fashion, entertainment, things like that. So we had a lot of uh, college students from other colleges that would submit ads and uh, advertisements and articles and things like that. So we would put it in the magazine or the intention was to put it in the magazine <laughs> and distribute, you know, a certain amount of magazines to each campus. So that was kind of the, the underlying theme of it. Wow. OK, so the machine broke. Machine crapped out. Did y'all get it back running? No. 
thought I boss had, never came to fruition? It never came, so. <laughs> okay. It was a cool concept. I wish we could have made it work, but, you know, we were 18-, 19-year-old college students. We were using refund money, and we just didn't have the resources to, to really keep it alive. Okay. Okay. But I guess it did what it was supposed to do at the time. You never know how things will work out, but that, that particular endeavor, you know, sparked something in me. So you graduated from UT Chat, and then what? So graduated from Chat. We ended up staying in Chat. Uh, my wife uh, and I stayed in Chat for a little while uh, longer after we finished up with school. Got married pretty early. Got married at 22. So we were just kind of living the uh, the young married life in Chattanooga. And uh, she had started her career with a technology company in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. And uh, they opened up a store in Nashville. And she took the uh, she got a promotion as a branch manager. And I was like, well, let's do it. Let's go. So I, we followed, I followed her down to Nashville. And uh, I got promoted uh, for the company that I was working with at the time in the print industry. And uh, we just, you know. Just living that college life. I mean, I'm sorry that uh, that married young married life and just having fun with no kids at the time. No kids at the time. Oh, yeah, y'all was doing it. Yeah. So and it was right around the time that I realized that you know corporate America wasn't for me, and I stepped mm-hmm. away at at 24 and started my own company. Well, I mean, what was it? What was the defining moment where you said I don't want to come back tomorrow? I want to do my own business. Well, it was a couple things. Uh, I think time was the biggest thing. Not having control over my own time, having to go in and clock in and be there. Uh, the money wasn't necessarily the biggest thing for me at the time. I just really wanted my own freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was a creative person. So, mm-hmm. you know, the higher I got in the company, the more it became corporate. You know, we had to wear suits and things like that. And we had to dress up. And it was just, it wasn't my style at the time. So I wanted to step away and just, you know, explore that entrepreneur endeavor. Really before we had too many responsibilities. Because I know, you know, the older you get, the more responsibilities, the more bills, you know, kids come along. And it becomes a real challenge to be able to step away and uh, be an entrepreneur. So I wanted to explore that before uh, we got to that point. And, and fortunately, things just really took off. Wow. I, I know how it feels to, like, work a corporate job and you're, like, miserable. Mm-hmm. Like, it could be a great job, great pay, but, you know, this is not what I want to do. Yeah, exactly. And it really kind of just gnaws at your soul, especially for a creative person. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you are a creative. So you quit the corporate job and you said, I'm about to do this yep. business. So you walk already away. knew what you wanted to do? Yeah, I did. Um being in the print industry, I always wanted to do something in the print industry, and I kind of started exploring the uh, T-shirt business. Mm-hmm. And uh, right around the time I walked away, or actually a little bit before I walked away, uh, we had been looking at some equipment, doing some research, mm-hmm. and uh, things like that, and we found a real good deal from a screen print shop out of uh, Knoxville. Actually, it was a real good friend of mine who was going out of business and decided he didn't want to do it anymore. So my wife and I rented a U-Haul truck, went up there. <laughs> we thought we were just going to be buying this one machine, but, you know, fortunately— I'm telling you, God has his hands on our lives. Okay. He's been, he been keeping us big time, you know, a lot of favor. But anyway, so we went down there and uh, thinking I'm buying this one machine. The guy gave me the whole shop. So I loaded that U-Haul truck up, came back to my two-car garage and hit the ground running at 24. Oh you thought you were getting one machine? Like what, what types of machines were there that got you started? A screen printing machine? I mean, what, what are they? What what are their functions? So at the time, I really didn't know what I was getting because <laughs> I, I didn't know much about the industry. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I was buying a, a six-color, six-station press. Uh, but there's so many other pieces of equipment that goes along with the screen print shop to really make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and had I not got the, that equipment, probably wouldn't have been as successful, you know, right off the bat. But we got a ton of equipment. 
uh, when we initially made that first purchase. Wow. So you did your research and you were like, what do I do first? <laughs> mm -hmm. So we um, said hit the ground running, took a ton of orders. Okay. Uh, and did not know how to complete these Wait orders. Wait a minute! <laughs> Look, I was in that in that garage all night Figuring trying to figure trying trying to figure it out until mm -hmm. it got to the point to where I was like, you know what? I had to pay somebody else to do it. Mm -hmm. So I paid somebody else, delivered it. The customer never knew. Mm -hmm. uh, he was happy. Uh, he referred more business to me, and it really Ooh. bought a little bit more time for me to learn the business. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I did for the first two years. The okay. first year was a huge struggle. Huge struggle. Uh, didn't make much money at all. And then uh, coming out of year one, found out that my wife was pregnant. Okay. Um, so I was like, look, I'm either going to go back to corporate America or I'm going to really make this thing work. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that I did uh, in corporate America when I walked away was I didn't put in uh, the two-week notice. And I did it intentionally because I really wanted to burn that bridge. Oh, I, you intentionally wanted to burn I knew bridge. if I had that bridge, I was going to go back. Okay. I knew I was going to go back. And honestly, I wanted to go back. But because I had burnt that bridge, I didn't have any choice but to move forward. Mm -hmm. So my second year, literally 40 hours a week, waking up, going networking, mm -hmm. uh, getting back in front of the computer, answering emails, mm -hmm. uh, going back out networking, mm -hmm. 5 o'clock transitioning into production, going in the garage, printing T-shirts. Uh, then the next morning doing the same thing in the garage till you know, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, the waking front. up at 7. You know, I think uh, my that first, that second year, I literally probably went through 10,000 business cards a month. And I'm in Nashville. Um, well, I didn't know a lot of people, didn't grow up there, uh, just out, you know, cutting my teeth. And by the time the second year closed, uh, I had netted over $60,000 in profit wow. as a 25-year-old. And I was like, yeah, I'm not so definitely not going back to year uh, one. <laughs> I'm not going back to corporate America. So Wow. So that first year was a struggle. Yeah. Actually, for the first two years, it was me by myself. Oh. Yeah, I was the graphic designer. I was the customer service rep. I was the production person. I was the deliverer. I you did figured everything. It out, though. Yeah, so for the first two years, and um, we really outgrew, or I outgrew the uh, the garage. And uh, like I said, we had, had our daughter, so we was like, you know, if we're gonna really make this work, we're probably gonna have to get some help. Mm -hmm. uh, that's when we decided to uh, move back to Memphis, get some family help with the little one, and continue to pursue the business. Mm -hmm. uh, and when I moved back, that's when I brought on my first partner. Okay. Uh, my brother, Bobby. Did he want to do it? Yeah. Uh, actually, you know, he wasn't my official partner, but he would come down to Nashville when I would get some big okay. orders and he would help me out. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, he had already shown some interest and he's always supported me. Mm -hmm. uh, probably one of my biggest supporters uh, is my older brother. So awesome. when I came back, I was like, come on, man. I, I, it's too big for me to do by myself. <laughs> you got to help me. But he was working as a manager at the hospital, third shift. Mm. So he made some huge sacrifices. He would literally get off come into the shop, mm. work eight to five with me, you know, and then go home, get a few hours and go back okay. uh, until we grew to the point to where he could walk away from the from the hospital. That is a blessing. Yep, yep. So. Wow. I know that you overcame a lot of your struggles, but like just for someone trying to get into the business, because I meet a lot of people, you know, that even my son, my 13-year-old son, mm -hmm. he's an artist. Okay. He can look at anything and draw it. And he and and really right now he's at that that age right where he's into it then he's not into it but he still has that gift. Gotcha. And at one point he was really like, "Mom, I want to start my own business. I need a press." And yeah. I'm like, "What? You need a press?" <laughs> I said, "Well, why don't you go somewhere? Let's go somewhere where someone has a like a, a t-shirt company and they already have a press and you see how it works. Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. What do you think are some of the I guess biggest 
barriers of getting in this business? Is it getting the equipment or? Well, it's, it's honestly a combination of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, equipment, if you don't have the capital, can be one of the biggest challenges, uh, especially if you're trying to, you know, get a get a hold of a bigger clientele mm-hmm. uh, base. If you only have a certain amount of equipment, it's only you can't compete with some of the bigger companies because uh, they can slash the prices because they have, you know, bigger equipment where they can just push these T-shirts out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, we're kind of growing to their point to where we can kind of play around with the margins a little bit more. So it makes it harder for the smaller person mm-hmm. to really compete. Um, but secondly, I think uh, just really learning the craft. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my biggest challenges. You know, we hadn't always done good quality, perfect orders uh, because, you know, I had to learn. YouTube was my best friend the first two, three years. Man, YouTube, everybody. I'm best telling friend. you, that look. <laughs> I heard somewhere you can get a Harvard business degree you off can. of YouTube. It's, you it's can. so much information on there. Yeah. But yeah, education, equipment, and, um, you know, unfortunately, just the stereotypes that businesses, especially minority businesses, have can really be a challenge. You know, if somebody else messes up an order, now it makes it that much harder for their customer to trust you as a T-shirt vendor. And you get, you know, a thousand questions before you even can, are you going to meet my deadline? Are you going to do good quality work? Are you going to, and you got to go from A to Z to mm-hmm. prove yourself to this client before they would even spend a dollar with you. Mm. So, you know, that's one of the challenges as well. But, I mean, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Even with those challenges, we did it. Uh, so, yeah, you can do it. It's, it's, it's a good industry to be in. Wow. Even today, um, you still, like, get those questions. Like from new customers, yeah, is it is and it's probably usually your smaller customer, not your corporate customer. Yeah, and you know, I started the business in Nashville, and I'll be honest with you, it's a different clientele base between Nashville and Memphis. Mm. Uh, Nashville was a little bit easier. Uh, honestly, they didn't care, you know, where I was located. They didn't care who I was. If I can get the job done. It was that on it. Mm-hmm. You know, here in Memphis, uh, like I said, because a lot of the, the businesses lack the capital to really get started mm-hmm. properly, they go through a lot of challenges. And unfortunately, those challenges, you know, mess up a lot of relationships. So, you know, as a minority business owner coming in to this market, uh, trying to establish myself, I have to deal with a lot of that, you know, backlash from other people that mess mm-hmm. up the uh, messed up those customers' order. But, yeah, we still get it, even though, you know, we're professional. You come in, we're going to be dressed up. You're going to be easy to identify who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a, a decent-sized staff. Uh, the building looks nice. You know, all of those things that we've worked so hard, really, to get past a lot of those questions, but we still get them. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. I enjoy I enjoy answering them. Yeah. You know, so. And, like, prove to them that I got out and I know what I'm doing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> now, you all just had the grand opening for the location for the T-Shirt Lab in Whitehaven. Mm-hmm. How was that? So it was pretty cool. Uh, like I said, even though I moved back to Memphis in 2014, I was gone for eight years. Mm-hmm. And a lot had changed since we had left, uh, probably more so with me uh, than the city. You know, because I've experienced business on so many different levels. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of traveling when I was in college. Uh, did so much commerce and things like that. Uh, that when I came back, uh, Memphis was different. Uh, so opening up in Whitehaven, uh, it's, it's been a cool experience to be able to you know, now grow into Memphis and, and, and know what the clientele base is and, and bring a lot of my past experiences, you know, back to the city and prove to people that you can be a minority business owner and you can succeed mm-hmm. and we can do quick quality work. Mm-hmm. You can put us up against the big dogs and I promise you, you wouldn't be able to tell who did the shirt. Okay. Okay. T-shirt lab. <laughs> now, what do you think when you came back to Memphis, what did you immediately see 
as this is different now? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, honestly, I didn't see, initially I didn't see a lot. Uh, and change. a lot of change mm-hmm. uh, because I'm from Orange Mound. So when we came back, you know, me and my wife, we had talked, me and my, my partner brother also, we had talked about, you know, where do we want to put the business at? And we had decided on Orange Mound for several reasons. One is the neighborhood we grew up in. And two, we wanted to put a business in the community that showed the community that you can be, you know, a minority successful business. So when we came back, it was a, it was an uphill battle. You know, the bills, the the building that we purchased needed a lot of work. Mm. So we put a lot of capital into the building mm-hmm. uh, to get it up. And the, the community just, you know, they supported us. But then you had a lot of people that didn't support, you know, where we were located. We still throw trash in the, in the yard. Mm-hmm. And, and it used to frustrate me so much. I'm like, look, we putting all of this money into the community to make it look good so that we can create commerce so that we can employ y'all. And they wouldn't treat the property right. I would come in. They would break the windows. They would, oh. you know, it was it was bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took them a little while for them to to really understand what we were trying to do. And, and it came when we started building relationships with the community. Uh, we started hiring people from the community. Uh, a lot of the guys were disenfranchised. You know, nobody else would, would give them a job. We would hire them. We would give them a decent wage and, and really restore their pride and you know, that individual, now they can take care of their family. They have a little bit more income. So as we, we were in Orange Mound for four years, five years before we opened up Whitehaven. Mm-hmm. So we built a lot of relationships uh, with the community. So uh, initially, I was a little disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that disappointment, we launched several different projects to really help uh, restore Orange Mound to its glory days. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still an uphill battle, and we're a small part of, you know, helping Orange Mound recover but, you know, it's a, it's a huge passion of mine. Well, that's awesome. Um, that's really wonderful that you even taking the time to do that, mm-hmm. you know, because Memphis is in the spotlight right now. Yeah. It's, it's a lot going on just in society in general. So for an entrepreneur to go back to his home, you know, town, his neighborhood and do this, this is really great. I know that you franchised out your company in Nashville, right? Yeah, when so you moved? absolutely. Mm-hmm. So their first 2 years we um we built up a decent book of business in uh in Nashville. And so one of the challenges when we moved back to Memphis, how do we continue to service those clients mm-hmm. that was used to doing business with us? So we ran into uh, some individuals down in, in, in Murfreesboro, actually, that was already running their T-shirt company, uh but they needed more structure, they needed a brand, a, a credible brand. Um, in that area to kind of really help them take it to the next level. So we drew up some contracts, went through that whole process, and, and we franchised that location out. Uh, we turned over a huge book of business to that to that location, and initially that location was very successful. Initially. Initially. Um, you know, we're franchising. It's uh, <laughs> You're dealing with other entrepreneurs. Uh, okay. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to put entrepreneurs in, box, in a yeah. box. You know, it even is. though they were under the brand and they had certain guidelines that they had to abide by, it just was a challenge to really keep keep them in line with what we were trying to accomplish. And, you know, because of that, we end up having to part ways. Mm. Mm. So, yep, yep. So we uh, we took that store, we closed it down, and uh, we actually just got done with a lot of, you know, legal mess with that. So now we're really able to push back into Nashville, free and clear of any paperwork and stuff like that, and, and open up an independent store. So, so it's ready to open, or it has already opened back up in Nashville. We hadn't officially opened up the store. We've been scouting some locations, so some managers and things like that. 
Okay. Well, awesome. Good. It's good that you can still keep that location thriving because mm-hmm. you're probably going to end up wearing Dallas next. Where, where the T-shirt lab going to end up next? Actually, we, we've we been pushing into Dallas. We got a sales uh, rep out there that's, okay. uh, that's really working the school market. Okay. So when sales hit a certain point, we'll go scout a location in Dallas as well. Okay. Do you do the sales piece of the company? You seek out the big customers? So, you know, my day-to-day operations is, is really kind of hard to say what I do. It, it changes so much because of the business is really at a, a critical uh, place right now. Mm. You know, we're gaining momentum, and we're having to really, you know, figure out how to keep that momentum, how to take the business to the next level. So, yeah, some days I'm out shaking hands, networking, uh, promoting the T-shirt company. Some days my hands are rolled up on folding T-shirts. It, it really just depends on where I'm needed at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, where my wife just came on full time, so she's helping out on the customer service side. Uh, production is growing. We've been able to bring on more equipment now that we've opened up a bigger uh, store. And that was one of the challenges for being at Orange Mound. You know, we it was a 1,500-square-foot building. Mm-hmm. We really had outgrew it the first two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had hit half a million dollars in revenue the first two years from being back. Uh, in Orange Mound, which was pretty cool. Um, so we had started seeking locations at that point, and it's just we couldn't find anything uh, to accommodate the needs. Uh, so now that we have the White Haven store, you know, we're bringing on more equipment. So my role is it just depends on how the wind blows. I'm doing some of everything. You got your hands in everything. And let me ask you something about your suppliers. Have you have you been able to get pretty good suppliers? Yeah. Um, and that's one of the cool things about Memphis being a logistic town you have a lot of these vendors that's here locally uh that you can pick up your t-shirts in a couple hours uh all really all of our supplies we get here locally Mm -hmm. now the challenge with that is the customer service piece uh we do see uh, a huge um gap from when we were doing business in in nashville with a lot of vendors to doing business here in memphis um you know we, we we try to operate at a real high professional level and, you know, our customers hold us to that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the backside of that is we hold people to that same standard. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're going to operate and be successful here in Memphis, we need success. We need uh, vendors mm-hmm. that can really keep up with the demand. So, Definitely. you know, that's been the challenge, but I'm not afraid to educate. You know, I talk, I talk to the manager in a second. <laughs> I know that's right about the business. Now, what do you think is next for the T-Shirt Lab? I know you're doing your openings, but even just in that apparel industry, like, you know, it's a lot of stuff going on with the economy now with tariffs and things like that. I'm not sure if that affects your business in any way. Mm-hmm. Does it? No? Uh, I'm pretty sure it does, but I hadn't really. I heard we're going to we're gonna probably start feeling it more so maybe later, like in December. Yeah, that's typically how it works. Time. I'm, I'm hearing yeah. <laughs> it's a lot going on, but um, I just pray that you guys, <laughs> you know, stay steadfast, stay positive. Now, I know you're a good Christian man over here. Yeah, absolutely. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm extremely active in my church. And what church is that? I go to New Life uh, under Bishop uh, Kevin Willis and Pastor Linda Willis. Okay. So yeah. over off Homes in Riverdale. Okay, Homes in Riverdale. So um, are you active in the church? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, and actually, this is my first time being this active in church, and I enjoy it. I hold a leadership position in church. I'm actually over security. Uh, and like I know a lot of people. Security. Security. And I know a lot of people when they hear, you know, security at church is is a foreign concept, mm-hmm. but it's it's really not. Once you really take a look at it, uh, the, the security aspect includes, you know, your parking lot, 
making sure that the kids are safe and in and, and the health component, if anything happens, you know, being able to, you know, coordinate the first responders and things like that. So it's really something that all churches need outside of the things that you see on the, you know, on the news and, you know, the church shootings and stuff like that. When people think of security, that's the first thing they think of. But it's honestly so much more than that. Now, that's an aspect of it. But, you know. Like security, safety. Safety, uh, yeah. Health. Health, yeah. And, okay. and, yeah, protecting the general con- congregation as well is, is a part of it. But. It's a lot to go into it, and I enjoy it. You so know. you had to get trained in a lot of the safe, um, health safety pieces, like CPR, like, you know, what to do if even like a, a terrorist attack, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a lot of uh, training that goes into it, education that you have to, to stay on top of. Uh, but one of the cool things is uh, probably in every church you have already qualified professionals, firefighters, police yeah, officers, and things like people. that. So, you know, you really don't have to look too far outside of the church to get, you know, a good, mm-hmm. you know, group of people to, to make sure that everything flows. Mm-hmm. So, Wow. I, I, what's the name of your church one more time? New Life. New Life because we are looking for a new church home, well, a church home in general because – since I've been in Memphis, I told you I moved here. Um, I actually moved here in 95, and I haven't joined a church yet. I've visited many, but you know how you'll go. Some of them have been too big. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really feel a sense of, I don't know, home or, you know what I'm saying? I think you'll know you can feel it when yeah. you think you should join. Is that what happened for you at your church? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, being from from Memphis, uh, when I was a kid, of course, my, my grandparents used to make us go to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, kind of, you know, we went off to school and things like that and uh, had the freedom to really decide on what type of church, you know, we wanted to go to and how we wanted to participate in church. And uh, me and my wife, you know, we, we went to a lot of different diverse churches when we were, uh, you know, living in Nashville and things like that. And, you know, we enjoyed it. And when we came back, you know, we found ourselves really looking for that same experience that we had when we was in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a lot of churches here that actually offered that. But then as we got a little bit closer and, and started really looking, you know, New Life was really a church that fit our personality, a yeah. church that we really wanted to be a part of and be active in. Uh, so we've been there for coming up uh, on five years, if not a little bit over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we enjoy it. We enjoy it big time. when you can find that. And I, I really think like a dilemma for me as well, I grew up Catholic. Okay. Like all of my family are Catholic. And when I moved with my dad and we came out to the Mid-South, my dad, he even grew up Catholic. We all went to Catholic school, everything. He yeah. was like, uh, baby, I'm not Catholic no more. <laughs> he said, now nah, you can go on base to the Catholic church mm-hmm. and see if you still want to do that. But he said, you can go to church with me. I go to a Baptist church. I said, okay, I'll go with you. I went to church with him, and it was so vibrant and lively. Like, I really, you know, had a good time. Like, I I like that vibe. But even still, it's nothing that made me want to join. Mm -hmm. So I'm still struggling with that. Yeah, you should come visit. I may come visit. Visit, visit. New life. New life. New life. Now, Kelvin, tell me about Black Art-ish. Yeah. um, So... Painting and drawing is my passion, mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of put it on the shelf uh, because the business was growing, and you know I wanted to make sure that that part was taken care of. Uh, so last, well, actually this year, last year, 2017, around November time frame, I decided I really wanted to kind of put myself back in that space. Mm-hmm. So I bought a couple canvases and I started painting, and uh, before I knew it, I had six or seven pieces. 
And my wife was like, what are you going to do with this? We don't, you know, we don't have that many, that much wall space. So I was like, well, I don't know. Are they big? Were they big? Everything was pretty big, 24 by 36 and bigger. Uh, some of them six-piece, uh, six-foot uh, canvases. Mm. And I would just get off work. I would come home, and I would go to town. And before I knew it, like I said, I had a body of work, and uh, I decided that I wanted to put on a show. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I got to thinking about it a little bit more, I realized there was a lot of artists here in the city that was really in the same position as me. It was, mm-hmm. you know, They had talent. Uh, they had the skill set, but they didn't necessarily have the exposure. So I was like, you know, I didn't want to be stingy or selfish with the platform. So I brought on a couple of buddies that I knew that was doing art. And uh, we we came together and we created Black Artists. So we did the first show uh, in February 2018 at the end of February. We didn't know what to expect. Uh, it was seven artists on the platform. And uh, the night of the show, we had almost 500 people show awesome. up. Awesome. Where so was it? It was at Crosstown. Okay. Yeah, it was a real dope experience. Probably it just opened, didn't it? Uh, was it was it like around the time it opened? Uh, maybe, maybe okay. I'm I'm not aware. I'm not sure what the what the grand opening date for okay. Crosstown was. But yeah, it's still okay. new. It's still yeah. new today. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so we did it at Crosstown, and uh, it was a real dope experience. And uh, a lot of those artists sold pieces that night, uh, and they they're still thriving in the art community. So it's pretty cool. So we're doing another one. When is the next one? We're going to stick to uh, February. Okay. We like uh, so this show. The first show was centered around Black History. Uh, so you've seen a lot of Dr. Martin Luther King with the with the 50th year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've seen a lot of pieces like 50. that and things like that. But we're going to keep it um, around that, uh, just addressing some of the social issues that we deal with as minority um, artists, mm-hmm. uh, as a minority community, mm-hmm. things like that. So we, my thing is I really want to produce art that, that's thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. You know, once you see that piece um, – what is that? What does it do to you? What does it say? What's the underlying message? What's the hidden message? Uh, so things like that. So we don't mm-hmm. we don't know what the title of this one is going to be mm-hmm. uh, just yet, but we do know the last uh, Friday in February we're going to have awesome. the show. So it's going to be pretty cool. I'm coming. Cool. I'm coming. If y'all need any help from me with anything, just let me know. I'm going to hold you to it now. I, well, do that. <laughs> let me ask you a question. Like, is there a certain requirement that you have to select the artists that, that will participate? So because of the uh, response that the first show got, we do have a lot of people that want to be a part of the second show. Mm-hmm. So um, depending on the venue size that we select, we might have to um, really take people through a selection process. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to open up the website probably in the beginning, first week in November, mm-hmm. and start taking auditions and things like that. What's the uh, website? The website is com. Okay. Yeah, and it's open now. You can go to the website, look at some of the event photos from the last show, and you can actually purchase art uh, from the last show. So okay, that's gonna be hard because it's a lot of talented artists it's a in lot. Memphis. It's a lot, and I didn't realize I how so many, many artists was here until I really yes. put myself back into that uh, mm-hmm. to that field. What do you think about like the graffiti uh, around Memphis? Are are you feeling that type of art? Yeah, I think graffiti has its place. Uh, I'm more of a, a realist, realism realist. type of mm-hmm. artist. You know, I like to do a lot of portraits and things like mm-hmm. that. So graffiti isn't my style, but I would love to, you know, collab with graffiti artists and, and maybe put a twist on it. Yeah, because it's, it, it just it's all over Memphis. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the culture in Memphis, especially urban, um, they surround themselves with a lot of the graffiti around here. I'm just in the visuals that I see. Yeah. But um, I see some realist art, too, now. Yeah. Like when, <laughs> when you're creating a piece as an artist, how do you like come up with the concept like okay i have a hidden message with this arm or like how does it work like 
Do you understand my question? Yeah, yeah, I understand. So most of my message or most of my art is going to have some some text in it. And I guess that's kind of why I utilize or use the um, the hidden message mm-hmm. in the text that I use okay. uh, or in the statement that's made on the piece. So, for instance, I had um, three pieces that I did, which was a, was a series of protesters, and they all had different messages on it. Uh, you had a male, you had a female, and then you had a child. Uh, and it really surrounded a lot of the, the Black Lives Matter, uh, hands up, don't shoot, things like that. So that's kind of the style that I like to focus on. Okay, so that's what you displayed at the first Black Art. Edition. Yeah, that's that was one of the that was three of the pieces. I had a total of nine pieces at the show. Wow, mm-hmm. I gotta go on the website. Yeah, and go check, check it, it out. out and check it, it out. It was a cool show. Okay, so tell me about Juice Orange Mound. So Juice Orange Mound was started by Brittany Thornton, who okay. is a resident of Orange Mound, uh, young lady, and she's doing an amazing job and um she's just really on the on the ground in Orange Mound, really finding out what the residents want, um, and then taking that feedback and creating some, you know, cool programs. Last year they did a five K, which was the first five K in Orange Mound. We got the uh next five K coming up. Uh, you guys go on the website, Juice Orange Mound, take a look at the 5K register. Uh, and the proceeds from that, a lot of the proceeds go back into uh, community development. Mm-hmm. So that we just launched a, a community garden uh, that's in Orange Mound that the residents will be able to take advantage of. And uh, they do a lot of health seminars and things like that, just educating uh, the, the community. Is it so. a lot of participation from the community? Yeah, you you know, you see a fluctuation. Uh, but so far, it, 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 we are seeing a lot of uh, participation. Okay, so like a 5K in Orange Mound. Like, where, like, what does that vicinity consist of, you doing a 5K in Orange Mound? So last year, the route started at Melrose, uh, went down to Melrose Stadium all the way down to Airways and came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they changed the route up, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You get, get a chance to explore Mer- uh, Orange Mound. If, you, yeah. if you're not from that community, uh, you get to get to explore. So I don't know what the route is going to be this year. Okay. Uh, you know, they I saw it. But I think it changed, so I'm not 100% sure. But I want to say it's going to be centered around old Melrose okay. because there's been some talks uh, with doing something with that structure. So Okay. Okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you're an adjunct graphic designer instructor at Crosstown. Yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> How often do you do that? So I'm at Crosstown twice a week uh, teaching ninth graders graphic design. Okay. So it was pretty cool, and I tell them all the time, this, you know, I paid thousands of dollars for this education, and it's pretty cool that you guys get to go to a school that brings in professionals to be able to teach you guys this at this level. I didn't learn this stuff till I was 18, 19, 20. Hey, and they're freshmen. day and age. Man, have you ever you been to Crosstown see. High? Yes. It is an amazing school. Yes, yes. They got a lot of resources. So mm-hmm. it's just it's cool to be a part of, you know, what they're doing. There's, they have a screen print shop that was is better than my first screen print shop mm. that I opened uh, at the school. So, you just amazed, huh? Yeah, when, you, when you went in there like, wait a minute. It's pretty dope. Um and the Some kids are excited. Yeah. Some good investors over there across town, huh? I'm not sure what the investor uh, <laughs> platform look like. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I don't know where, where the resources mm-hmm. come from. But it is a good school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when I went in, I was just, you know, I had to be a part of what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And it's just I'm at a point now uh, in life where I work, you know, a lot. I spend some time with my family. Uh, I'm grounded in my faith. But I do realize that there is a, a need, you know, to really give back. Uh, to the youth, mm-hmm. give back to the kids and things like that. Yeah. So this opportunity came, and I took it, and I've been enjoying it. Um, I hadn't been over there long, but I enjoy it. Yeah, and and it really 
you have to go through some things to even get to that point to feel like I need to give back. It, mm-hmm. It's not like when you first start out, you feel like that. It's yeah. like all about how I'm going to get this off the ground. But it comes a point where, oh, I'm ready to give back. And it feels so good when you do. Yeah. It really does. It is. It's cool. Okay, Mr. T-Shirt Lab, Juice Orange Mound, adjunct, graphic designer, instructor at Crosstown. You got a lot going on, Kevin Woods. How can people... Um, see the work that you do uh, and get in touch with you on socials. Yeah, so you can follow me on the social media page. Uh, Kwoods54 is my Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow the T-Shirt Lab, uh, T-E-E Shirt Lab. Uh, select the Memphis location. We got uh, other locations also. Be sure to follow Memphis. Uh, Black Artist, you can follow that. Uh, and you can also follow the Mound Collection. I don't know if I said anything about that, but it's a project that we launched uh, about two years ago. Collection. Yeah, the Mound Collection is a project that we launched about two years ago to funnel resources back into the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so since conception, our um, our family now owns a little over nine properties in the community, mm-hmm. and we've successfully uh, renovated one with the resources that came from the Mound Collection. Mm. So it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So you can follow the Mound Collection on Instagram as well. So you, do you plan to get some more properties as well? Yeah, the renovate? goal is to have 30 properties by 2020. Uh, through the Mound Collection. And so it's a pretty cool initiative. What we do is, uh, like I said, we sell T-shirts, hats, and we take the profits from that apparel, and we go and we buy properties, we renovate it, and then we put families in it. Uh, So we would love to. So that's what you're doing. Okay, I see the picture now. Mm -hmm. Okay, And he has on a a 901. That's a Mound Collection. Yep, that's a Mound Collection hat. Okay. Okay. I have a Mal Collection T-shirt that Devontae Payton brought me. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Devontae is the a huge supporter of yes. the movement. So yes, that's awesome. Now I do want to get into um, some current events, as I like to do with my guests, and I think you'd be the perfect person okay. to talk on this matter um, because you are a successful black man. Now I know you've heard about it. If, uh, I mean, you haven't heard about it. You must have been under a rock, but Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you probably watched the Cosby show growing up, right? I did. I did, too. You know, a lot of women were coming out um, with allegations of sexual assault with Bill Cosby. And a lot of it was kind of limited because of the statute of limitations. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't convict him or try him on anything. But it was one lady that was still in that time frame mm-hmm. to go to trial with. So we found out this week that he is going to jail for three to ten years going to prison. This man is 82, I believe, Yeah, 82 years old. So what are your thoughts on, I guess, the final um, decision to send him to jail? Because, honestly, I thought that they would let him get probation considering his condition. Yeah, And I'm a little kind of feeling some kind of way about the entire thing because I'm going to let you answer the question, but let me get my thought out real quick. <laughs> I just feel like this is a man with a lot of power and a lot of money, first mm-hmm. of all, black man. And I've watched over just the last two years a lot of men with a lot of power and a lot of money not being uh, sent to jail yeah. for some of the same things. So that's where I kind of feel some kind of way about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But what are your thoughts, Kelvin? Yeah, I um, I definitely agree with you, and it's sad. It, it really is to see. A whole legacy. Uh, yeah, to see him going through that. But, you know, it, it's several sides to it. Unfortunately, uh, well, not unfortunately, if you if that's the type of crimes that you commit, 
it's just one of those things. You're going to have to, you know, face the penalties. Uh, And, you know, I don't know if he did it or not. Um, It's just one of those things. But the second side of it is, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's it's unfair to see, um, and maybe unfair isn't the best word, it's unfortunate to see, you know, the way that certain people get away with things Mm -hmm. and uh, others are held accountable for their actions. Uh, That part does kind of make you angry. But on the other side, I have a daughter. You know, I have yeah. a five-year-old daughter, you know, and I think of if someone was to do something to her, I would want them to pay, you know, yeah. the price for that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, you know, two-sided coin. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it's unfortunate because Bill Cosby is, a, um, you know, a staple in the, in the black community. Mm-hmm. And you don't have too many people to look up to uh, in, the, you know, as an African-American. And, and unfortunately now, you know, they've ruined his name. Yeah. At his age, you know, you think of Bill Cosby, now you're going to think of, you know, sexual assault. and They label the man as uh, a sexual something predator, something, something predator. I yeah. was like, dang, it's just so, like, opposite of his legacy, mm-hmm. you know. And that's, you know, and it's kind of off topic, but kind of, you know, in line with what we're talking about. That's why it's really important for you know, the community to support, you know, local businesses. Uh, and because what it does is, in our community, most of the youth think the only way out is going to be sports, you know, entertainment. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's money to be made in those industries. And if you're talented, go for it. But those are the exceptions. You know, exception. it's the exception. However, anybody can start a T-shirt company and, and grow their T-shirt company and be able to take care of their family and employ people from the community, start a barbershop, start a restaurant. Um, so it's important for the community to recognize those individuals because what it does is it shows the youth that, you know what, I can still be successful. I can start looking up to other people instead of, you know, this this small industry. Mm-hmm. So. And, you know, with social media now, it's like those type of, NBA basketball entertainers even more glorified now. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. even it's at another level with social media. Yeah. It's just intensified. Yeah, but we still have to still continue to do programs as as the ones that you are involved in to pull these youth back in. Yeah, absolutely. So we got to keep reeling them in, Mr. Woods. Well, I'm on board. I know you are, <laughs> and I need me some AKA gear. Yeah, absolutely. So stop you got by. the Greek. Did you talk about your Greek? I didn't. So store? We, no, I didn't. I didn't. So uh, with the new White Haven store, we had enough square footage uh, to start uh, on the yard, which is our Greek paraphernalia store. So if you Greek, come on out. We got a. Uh, we're actually getting ready to roll out the fall line. Mm-hmm. So we got a lot of uh, hoodies, sweatshirts. Uh, what's this? We'll probably have some items available starting October. You know what? We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, I we got, got you. What size? What size about? T-shirt? Medium. Medium. Okay, I got you. But but I have I have a proposition for you as well. Okay. So we'll we'll talk more off the mic. But I really appreciate you coming by. Thanks for um, having me. Your journey is just amazing, and how involved you are with the community and giving back. I don't I don't see it on that level a lot. So I really applaud you. And Thank you. Just. I'm praying for you and your family. I'm coming to to uh, visit the church, New Life. Yep, come on out. <laughs> and thank you so much for coming, Kelvin. You're my guest for episode 37, Verbally Effective. 